Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about meeting new people. That's where the music music comes in. Music going on. (laughs) We need to to keep this in. Um, Okay, sweet. So uh, here we find ourselves on a new day, on a new recording. And uh, the first question I shall ask you is on a scale of one to pretending to go to the bathroom so you can have a secret meltdown, where are you at? Like, I am that meltdown. There's nothing secret about it, basically. Um, I'm about an eight, I would say. So much to the point that, like, I, like, up to an hour before the recording, I was like, should I cancel this this session? Because Chris and I have a very, very loose sense of scheduling, you know, both being extremely anxious people with a proliferation of time, shall we say, and um, (laughs) due to this pandemic. And I was feeling super anxious, but I was like, you know what? Maybe just like coming on this this podcast and recording will chill me out a little bit and get me out of my own head. Uh, so basically, like kind of what's going on with me over the past week is um, I have a lot of health anxiety. I don't like to say hypochondriac because like I'm not really a hypochondriac, but um, I do have a lot of physical sensations of anxiety that are really hard to separate from like physical symptoms of being ill. And this last week, either me or my husband have been to the hospital here in Sofia, like four times totaled up between the two of us because like we went for like one preventive checkup and they're like, oh, well, since you're in the over 30 category now, you have like 18,000 things wrong with you. So come back X, Y, and Z for these reasons. (laughs) And (laughs) so we both had to go and do some follow-up stuff. So I was just like, I'm feeling very like exposed to germs. And pre-COVID, I was never a germaphobe. Like I was like, I worked in the New York City public school systems for five years. Like my body's seen it all. I can handle any kind of germ you throw at me. Just (laughs) (laughs) I've seen every pathogen out there. I've been covered in it. And um, so for me, being like germaphobic is like a very new anxiety for me. But health anxiety and just sort of not being able to separate what's Because, like, it's not what's happening in your head because it is happening in your body, but the origin is your head, not, like, some disease that you Googled. And so I've sort of been having a hard time separating the two. And today I just, like, I think I actually just am sick. Like, it's probably just a cold or some sort of, like, intense allergy day or something. There is something physically wrong with me. But that's been making me go on, like, a lot of tailspins. I've asked my husband to check my forehead for a fever like three times today. I should probably just buy a thermometer because that's really annoying. (laughs) Um, But I feel like you're not supposed to have a thermometer if you're like over the age of six. Like, I don't know why I think that, but I feel like that's like a thing for children. Like adults should just know whether or not they have a fever. Um, I don't know where that. I have have three of them. So apparently I'm like a triple child here. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, good to know. Good to know it's not like condemned to be a thermometer owner. I don't know why. Um, I've actually like wanted to get a thermometer since the beginning of this pandemic, but I was like, you're just being crazy. And now I'm like, actually, this would probably be a smart thing to have just so that I can take my temperature and calm myself the fuck down and be like, you don't have a fever. You're just angry or you're just anxious or you're just this or that. Um, So yeah, anyway, long story short, just feeling super physically shitty right now, which makes me then feel very anxious, which then makes my physical symptoms that may be unrelated to anxiety kind of spiral in this like really lovely sort of like a snake eating its own tail situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cyclical. And the first thing I'll just say is that I think you probably have a number of people who are listening right now who are nodding their head a little bit because they can understand some of that. And I know I can understand some of that. And um, I think, you know, we we all have very powerful minds and and it can be very difficult to, to separate what's, you know, quote unquote real, right? And sometimes I, I think the worst thing that we can do ultimately is to just hold that in and let it spiral inside of us. So I think it's great that uh, you're coming on the episode today to share that. Ultimately, um, we're two people who I think have a good hold on what anxiety entails. And we're both trying to make sure that we can tap into that to help others. And part of that is just admitting sometimes like, hey, today was tough. And I told you before we started recording that if we had recorded last Tuesday instead of last Thursday, like, you know, I would have had a pretty high number as well. And that's okay because anxiety is very cyclical. And some days you wake up and think, oh my gosh, like today, like how am I going to make it through today? Right. But, but we do. And then tomorrow is either worse or better. And, but somehow, some way, a couple of days onwards, we, we start to feel a little bit like, you know, quote unquote ourselves again. And I wanted to just tap into what you were saying by mentioning that my dad, who's like really supportive of this podcast and all that I'm doing, in life in general, he gave me this uh, special edition of Time magazine on the age of anxiety. And I've been reading it because I am committed to trying to learn more about my own anxiety and anxiety in general. And I thought of just the power of what you're doing and sharing that is um, there's one article where there's a professor who comes on, uh, I think Ronald Siegel is his name. He wrote a book as well. But he talks about like what you resist persists and um, just noticing all that, but but not trying to make it go away releases a huge load of secondary anxiety that surrounds trying to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And, and the other professors and other people should go on to chime in that, you know, the more we avoid the source of anxiety, the stronger that fear becomes. So in a, in a sense, hopefully coming on today and just chatting and having a little bit of fun, but also talking about anxiety in general and kind of pointing a finger at it will be helpful. And uh, and I'm sure it'll be helpful for other people too, because I know that whatever happens, I th- I th- I'd like to think that putting things out in the open is helpful. And even me just listening to you say that, like made me feel a little bit better about some of the health things that I've had in the past. And, um, and I think it's hard for people who don't have anxiety, particularly around health to understand how something can feel so real. One of the great privileges of not having anxiety is being able to look objectively at something and then push that thought away, you know, whereas with anxiety, it's like you can get caught in a subjective tailspin that can be hard to get out of. So 
Totally. Thank you for sharing that. So I hope uh, I hope people are still on board and they're not just like, oh man, this is heavy. Um, but um, I guess I can go into talking about, um, unless you want to respond quickly, but I can go into talking about how I'm feeling today. But um, did you want to comment on, on that at all? Yeah, I guess like what we wanted to say also is that we talk about these things that we're anxious about and we feel these anxieties and they're all very real, but at the same time, there's kind of a point where you just kind of have to like go through it, even though you don't want to. And by go through it, like you just have to do the things that your brain is screaming at you. Let's not do that. You know, so like even though we've recorded episodes about like the beach and movies, it's not like neither of us do none of these things and just live in like a little cave of our own making, <laughs> like which, you know, a little more than normal now is a bit true, but I think yeah. that's true for everyone. <laughs> um, we're not unique in that sense. But I think the point being is that just sort of like plowing through it and sort of like repeat exposure is really important with anxiety. Like I used to have a really big anxiety surrounding public speaking and I eventually became a teacher, which is like very public a lot of the time and like had to give presentations in front of my whole school sometimes. And it's always horrible at first, but like every time you get through something that's really horrible, you kind of actually feel super proud of yourself afterwards. And then the next time you do it, you're like, well, okay, I did it last time and the world didn't crumble. And I actually felt really happy when it was finished. And so for this topic today, meeting new people, this is actually one of my biggest anxieties. I have a ton of social anxiety, probably one of the more debilitating anxieties I have. And so for me, I do try to celebrate every time, you know, I, I make it through something that I had dreaded initially. And anyway, yeah. we'll talk more yeah. about that in a bit, but I just wanted to make sure that uh, we ask Chris. So that Chris doesn't feel left out and anxious, like the weird person at a party who no one wants to talk to, which is usually yeah. me. Um, well, that's okay. I'll just come talk to you. You know. Yeah. I'm, okay. <laughs> so your strategy is like find the other loner, the person who looks like terrified as well, and you're like, okay, that person won't judge me. My strategy is is actually just talk to every person because I, and this is something I think that this is why it'll be an interesting episode to record because if I ever went to any of my friends and I was like, you know, some of my friends who I've mentioned that I struggle with anxiety, the first thing they think about is when they think about anxiety is this like, is social anxiety and somebody who's yeah. like anxious about talking and meeting new people. That's not me at all. You know, I, I have, I'm like the opposite of that. I'm like really outgoing. I love meeting new people and this, but I have my own anxieties with, within that. And that's what I'm kind of excited to talk about a little bit today, mostly just to illustrate that anxiety comes in so many different forms and shades and flavors and colors that, you know, it's really not possible to paint someone with a brush. And if there's one thing that we can illustrate in this podcast, it's, it's that you and I both, you know, both have are, are under the same umbrella, but it, it's a, it's a broad umbrella, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and so it'll be somewhat liberating hopefully for people to who some people might identify more with me and some people more with you but i think it's just a mistake to to ever paint an archetype for anxiety and yes. we'll get into more of this kind of stuff when we have trained professionals and experts on to talk more about that but i think that's one way that we can offer some guidance and help when we're talking about anxiety but um i'm 
also great at uh, going on lengthy tangents without addressing the point. So uh, I will go back to how I'm feeling today. And today I'm actually feeling really good, which I, you know, I know is um, the antithesis of how you're feeling. But uh, but I <laughs> yeah, think rub it in, Chris. Yeah, because I am feeling great, baby. I know, like um, you, you already pulled <laughs> the world record for like lowest number recorded, and now you're just rubbing it in some more. And Jesus Christ, read the room, yeah. buddy. Yeah, gosh, bud. Yeah, well, I actually, I wanted to say it's actually because for the first time in a long time, I went uh, up north and spent some time in the woods for a couple of days. And uh, I know that's like the most Canadian sentence ever. I'm just picturing you with like an axe and a grown out beard. And plaid. And flannel. And yeah, plaid. of course. Yeah, yeah some yeah. flannel plaid. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Some actually, folk did... music, maybe some like Sufjan Stevens. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and anyways, it was it felt good to um, – Again, like we the we talk a lot about silence, and I'm not great with silence. But once I give into it, you know, at nighttime I can find it a little bit hard. But it is liberating to not have so many noises around you sometimes, mm-hmm. and can be a bit freeing. I really enjoy being out in nature. Like I just uh, when I was a kid, I just used to. I mean, I didn't need anything but being outside. You know, just running around, and I feel like I captured a little bit of that just on the weekend again. Just. Um, opening my eyes and noticing little things and just um, I'm trying to pay a bit more attention to little things. Like, I know this is going to sound a little like woo woo, but like, you know, like just like, I don't know, actively noticing the wind or listening to different birds. And I find like, I noticed like two or three different birds I'd never noticed before for the first time ever. I watched a bee pollinate a flower. Like it was kind of enlivening. That sounds like really poetic, Chris. It sounds like really nice. Yeah. I love I those moments. I really do. Yeah. I think one, one thing I've heard that uh, is like a technique for when you're feeling anxious, but I think it's also just a technique that's good to carry around with you in general. is just to like, tap into like each one of your five senses. What do I see? Smell, blah, blah, blah. You know, the senses you're, you're not in kindergarten. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The senses. What are the senses? Well, Chris, let me tell you a little about the senses. In fact, I have a little song for you about them. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Please. (laughs) Please don't. Um, But like, I find that kind of scanning through my senses I I often find I'm doing it unintentionally. Usually when I'm doing something that's different from my routine, like I was on the Black Sea coast a couple weeks ago and I woke up early, which I never do because my dog really wanted to go out and go for a walk and um, I couldn't, there was no door to keep him out of the bedroom. It was just all one big bedroom. So he was like, 70 pounds of I need to go out like right in my face so I took him for a walk but like because it was something that I don't normally do I noticed like every single thing and it was actually really lovely and beautiful like I noticed the way that like the light hit the grass and like the way that the like sea sparkled and like all these like things that just sound like lines in a poem that a five-year-old writes but I was noticing them all I don't know why I'm going on like a very like kindergarten tangent right now but um (laughs) I think I started it with the bee pollination thing but maybe maybe. but but anyways I mean I I actually all joking aside I do I do think it's actually powerful because I I think I missed 
I've missed a lot, you know, by being anxious in my own thoughts. And it's, it's sometimes really good. I mean, that's also like a strategy for meditation is to like ground yourself in your breath or something like that. Like, I feel like grounding yourself in the, in the five sentences and then writing a little kindergarten poem about it might be. <laughs> um, anyways, I guess the moral of the story, I, I don't think I'll ever be a zero because that's just not quite possible. Like my anxiety and ADHD are both sort of politely embedded into my DNA. So like zero is not a thing for me. Not even a thing on our scale anyway. So you don't have to yeah. feel bad about that. It is one, two. It's not zero, two, you know? Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. So I'm not a one. I think I'm a probably a two, you know. A two uh, is the best you can do, but that's good. That's good. I feel like it's good. Yeah. I'm celebrating it. Um, and it doesn't mean I'll be a two tomorrow. And it doesn't mean I was a two yesterday. I wasn't. Um, but I, I feel all right today. So I'm going to honestly share that. And, uh, you know what, that's not to say I won't be an eight in seven days time. So there we go. Anyways, I think we've gone on a helpful diatribe that's uh, very suited to this episode, but nonetheless, uh, we better get started before people start to send us very hateful anxiety inducing emails. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Although we don't have an email address yet. No, it's it's just my inbox. So berate (laughs) me, I suppose, if you (laughs) really wish to and I just realized that like I didn't actually set up our contact page until literally like yesterday Mm -hmm. um so I was like oh my god maybe I've missed out on like some like really wonderful opportunities and then I just got like a bunch of like penis enlargement spam (laughs) 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 it's too bad for us we could both just you know just really be just dragging it around (laughs) those emails along or I mean We could really just be rocking out with our cocks out, but we just missed that boat. (laughs) But anyway, point being, we now have a functional web email contact Contact box. The way I spoke, you would not believe that I run two online businesses. (laughs) We have one of those contacty things on the site of Roo. Yeah. Um. It's on the World Wide Web. You can send in electronic mail to us. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You wouldn't believe it. You click and it sends. No yeah, mail. Whatever happened required. to the Pony Express is all I'm saying. <laughs> well, fantastic. Um, yeah, I can vouch for the fact that you do run these businesses. Actually, no, you, you don't. You're secretly, <laughs> secretly totally inept with technology. And just to yes. get to going on this podcast has been a real struggle. Um, so... Oh yeah, no technology is my is my nightmare. We'll do nemesis. that one soon. Yeah. Oh yeah, total nemesis. We'll do that soon. Yeah, I, we'll do I that have, one. Soon. I've had verbal altercations with several robot phone trees. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm excited for that episode. Yeah. Um, down the line, but with this episode, where do you want to start? I'm I'm curious. I have some some notes on my end from things I want to talk about, but I want to open up the floor to yours truly. Yeah. Yours truly is yourself. Sorry. I want to open up the floor to you. Why <laughs> owe you? So it's good okay. that we're both in such a great headspace. Let's make sure we keep that in and don't edit that out so we can just show how um, incredibly flawed we are. We are very messy people. Very messy people. Um, and also just know that as much as we say like on this podcast, there is approximately like – 30% more that gets cut out. We're just that likable, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> we're both very like heavy people. And if you have a problem mm-hmm. with that, um, 
I'm sorry. Then just give us five stars and uh, yeah. be very polite. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't like you. So um, <laughs> anyway, going on. Um, I was thinking probably the best way to tackle this would be to sort of address some of the contexts in which we meet new people and how each of those sort of presents its own um, paralyzing situations. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I think of like meeting new people, I automatically think of like parties and like social gatherings. Sure. Do people say social gatherings or is that like something like I'm like a mom with like a bowl? No, I think it's good. No, I think, I think it's a little bit like, uh, it's a little bit Victorian. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit Victorian, but I think it's, I mean, when I think of social gatherings, I think of something um, like unusually polite in a backyard with brittle teacups. Yeah. But um, but I'm fine with it. You know, I feel like the other week I was like in a very like Western mentality. Like I wanted to lasso everything. Now I'm in like a very like Victorian mentality. Just like I'm infirm. Let me sip tea while reclining on my fainting chaise. Like great. So I like this theme. I enjoy it. Yeah, I'm I'm versatile, I guess. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about parties and how much I hate them. Okay. <laughs> great. Yes. So um, I guess we can start with uh, what is it that you hate about them, and or what I, I guess what makes you anxious about them. Okay. So first of all. I have another related anxiety to like being late. I don't like to be late to things. So I'm almost always like the first person at a party. So then I'm like doing the weird kind of small talk with the party host who like didn't actually really want people to show up then, you know, they weren't really prepared, but I, I I'm right there. It's like, it's like eight Oh eight Oh four. And I'm like, well, I guess, I guess now's the time to enter. And so I'm like always that first person there who's like, you know, making conversation with someone who like I don't really know well enough because any close friend that I have probably knows just not to have parties. (laughs) And that's why we're friends. So if I'm going to a party, it's usually like of an acquaintance or some of some sort. Um, I'm joking. I do go to my friends' parties when they rarely have them, but um, I tend to not. <laughs> if to my be friends are listening, if my friends are listening right now, I love you and your parties. Just kidding. <laughs> just yeah, just you know, try to limit it to one a year. You get one a year, um, <laughs> one celebration. Um, but yeah, so I get kind of anxious about like I I, I don't want to be late, even though I know that there's like no real such thing as like being late to a party. So I show up like kind of early. And then I feel like I have to do a lot of small talk for like a really long time. And then it's like more people start to show up and it's just like, then I just start getting super, super overwhelmed. I have like a lot of anxiety around noise, actually, like contrasting to our episode on silence, but I really get super stressed when there's like different noises and stimulation. And it's like, I have a ton of things like competing for my attention, Um, that induces a ton of anxiety in me. So then like, I tend to kind of be like a clinger at parties. Like I kind of tend to like cling to like the person or like group of people I know best. And then like, I try to sort of like be like, okay, Allison, you've been, you've been clinging over here for a little bit, a little bit too long. Maybe these people are a little bit tired of you. They want to maybe meet someone else. Why don't you go try over here? And then I kind of just like stand at the periphery and try to like insert Mm -hmm. myself in. And I always like, I always feel almost like I'm like, like observing 
like rather than like participating. You know what I mean? Like I feel very separated from like what's going on. I don't feel like I understand what to do. So I always Mm -hmm. kind of feel like I approach like a group, almost like a, like a biologist, like observing like a tribe of monkeys and being like, Hmm. All right. (laughs) So, okay. Now. Yeah. And then I try to like jump in at some point and then I always criticize myself about how I jumped in and it becomes a major anxiety spiral. And then I usually like try to wait. I try not to flee immediately, but then I sort of like, you know, kind of like try to integrate into this group for like a little bit. And then I'm like, okay, I think enough time has passed since my weird intro. I can kind of like pretend I'm going to go somewhere else and do something else now. Um, And then I do that for a little bit. And so basically I just kind of flutter around very asocially and uh, don't know what to do. And another thing that's hard for me is like, I tend to want to drink a lot at parties um, just to make socializing easier. Mm-hmm. But I'm super sensitive to alcohol, especially um, more so even with the medication that I take for my depression. It pretty much means that like after two glasses of wine, I'm like going to be puking in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like it's like that serious. So it's like mm-hmm. I feel like I want to drink to numb the terror <laughs> of talking to new people and just like, you know, not embarrassing myself and just feel more like loosened up and free. But there is also sort of a physiological limit for me where like, if I drink past this point, I'm going to feel terrible in the middle of the night and for the whole next day. And also, of course, like, you know, then there is also the habitual point where like, you don't want to be dependent uh, Mm -hmm. on drinking in order to handle the situation. Mm -hmm. Then I get anxious that I'm like, well, fuck, I've had sort of like my two glasses of wine, <laughs> like can't drink anything more. So I guess this is as fucked up as I'm going to get for the rest of the night. And everything's just going to get worse from here. I'm just going to get more and more sober and <laughs> things are going to feel more and more real. And I'm going to be more and more embarrassed. And it's just, don't invite me to your parties, even if we're- <laughs> <laughs> well, for- I, the first thing I just wanted to point out was that I've been to many parties and events with you. And yeah. it's, it's, it, no, no, I just mean, it's interesting to contrast the fact that all of those things that you are bringing up and, and really feel so strongly about, like, it's not something I ever noticed. You know, I always just kind of thought you were this like really pleasant sort of polite person who I always thought you were like, you were observant and popping in at, 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 the, at the right time. And, um, so I never noticed any of that. So it's, it's, I think that's just something worth mentioning because sometimes these narratives are so, um, can be deafening in our heads and, uh, and they just don't really communicate. Like I quite honestly, I didn't even, or wouldn't notice if you had two glasses or eight glasses or whatever. I do understand what you mean with like the compulsion of like having something in your hand to signify like, Oh, I'm socially engaging. Like I could have a problem with that. I used to have more problem with that where like, I knew I was going to like compulsively drink whatever, whatever was in my hand. So it used to be, I would just go from like beer to beer to beer to beer. And now I make sure I get a water in there and I, I seem like that's fine. Like I just, I just compulsively drink water, you know, and then that, and that works fine for me. But anyways, I did want to point that out that if somebody asked, you know, if someone was like, yeah, I'm going to invite Alice in the party, I won't be like, don't do it. <laughs> you know, like, like, um, and the other thing I wanted to mention was, and this is like something I'm going to be doing probably as I continue to research more and more, but I, I was reading up on anxiety and, and um, I forget exactly where it was, but somebody described 
having anxiety as like um as like there being a six foot glass wall between them and everything going on yeah. and um and 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 how you can um it's easy to dissociate with what's going on and uh, because the narratives are so deafening, you know, because yeah, exactly, um, and you feel like nobody else has these narratives that are going on. And the reason I was, you know, keen to do this episode was to, like, I'm the opposite, you know, like I'm, my anxieties at parties come from my desire to befriend everybody. <laughs> like literally I <laughs> go really to a party and I'm golden retriever, Chris. I think that's a very, very good way of putting it. And I think anybody who knows me would agree with that statement. What would my dog avatar be? Because now I need to know. I don't, um, I'm really bad with dog types. Um, well, if, Chris, if there's, put that on if your there's, resume. <laughs> if, there's, yeah, if there's a dog that's like super kind and uh, are, there, are there thoughtful puppies? because <laughs> you could be I that mean, like i guess now i guess i just have to assign myself one i yeah because i'm like i want i really want to i wanted you to play this game with me chris but i know it's like you're a doberman <laughs> because of the patterns on your skin like i don't <laughs> i really don't know um, no i would want to be an english mastiff because my face is droopy and I look sad sometimes, but really, I just I have a lot of feelings, and I'm very emotionally intelligent. And okay, I, I like so to that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was definitely going to say um, English Mastiff. So I'm happy yeah. you said that. Yeah, um, but I I also um, tend to it, knock yeah. things over with my tail a lot and drool. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, your tail's always been a problem at the parties we've been at. Uh, but but I, I you know it's it's funny as much as we're very different in that regard, like in my head, and this is partially to do with ADHD too. And that, that connection to it, like I want to befriend everyone. I want like, because I want everyone to be happy. And even if it's my, my, not my party, I feel like it's my duty to like <laughs> go and make impressions, which can be exhausting. And it has its downsides too, um, where, you know, sometimes I'll go to a party with Brie it's almost like back in the day where your parents would bring you to like a ball pit and then like set you free. And then you just wouldn't see the kid for an hour. Like that's <laughs> what I do sometimes. And Brie will have to come over to me and be like, Hey, Chris, um, remember how we came together? Um, like you're, you're going to have to stop meeting people. And then I like, you know, and then I it, like introduce Brie to like 10 people who are like, Brie, I've heard so much about you. <laughs> and she's like, who are all these people, Chris? Um, and, and it's, and, and, but, you know, you still have some of that same anxiety of like, sometimes I get anxious. I, I like, I said a certain thing or did a certain thing or whatever, but it's, you know, it's, it's mostly tied up to an anxiety of wanting to be liked, but I'm also really curious. I, I mean, I think you I, like that to go back to that golden retriever analogy, like I'm willing to let everyone throw the ball once, Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you enjoy a game of fetch with everyone. Unless they're like a really lame thrower and then you're just like, yeah. fuck this. Like I'm going to bring my ball somewhere else. Exactly. Which is sometimes I have to do. And sometimes Bree tells me like, don't go back, Chris. They're a bad <laughs> thrower. But I, um, but you, you remember when we were on, we were on a big trip together as yeah. travel writers and um, there were two factions separated where there was a group at the back of the bus and a group at the front of the bus. And you'll notice, did you notice where I sat? Oh, you, you it, sat where like wherever you could, like, just like you had to flit, you were flitting. It was, back it was like, I would do like, 
a middle, a middle, then a front, then a back, then a middle, yeah. then a front, then a back. Like you, that's you, had, you felt more allegiance to the front, but you had to retreat to the back of the bus to just check on people as well and circulate. But then you had to resume your place kind of at the front of the bus. Because like the front of the bus with people who were still kind of engaged with the trip. So this was a trip from hell, pretty much. Um, that just we were not treated like professionals and there was a lot of like it was a large trip too. It was a larger yeah. trip than you'd be used to. Just a lot yeah. of people, a lot of personalities to balance. Forty people yeah. on a bus um who had no idea that there would be 40 people on the bus with them. And yeah. near the end of the trip, after like some issues with like sexual harassment and unprofessionalism, there was a group of like I don't know, 10 of us who were just sitting in the back of the bus being fucking, I called us bridge trolls because, like, we were just cranky as fuck. And uh, I pretty much, like, once I reach my threshold, I will pretty much just give up and that is my mood. Whereas Chris, I think, he, like, he, Chris is the kind of person who genuinely will wake up each day and try anew with a fresh start. I will not. I hold a grudge and I will be, like, okay, another day, climb into the back. Guess this is what I'm dealing with today. Good thing Maggie brought the bus wine today. There was a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, like the, and my thing would be that like quite literally I would be in the middle. And if I looked back and saw that you guys weren't having a great time or you didn't look happy, like I would go back and try and, and share some smiles with you guys, you know? And and sometimes my problem can be, especially as I got older and have like actually have more limited energy, is that like I will often be like in performance mode all day, like meeting people and duh, 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 making connections and so on and so on. And then I'll so like tiring. get Yeah, exactly. And then I'll get back to the room at night and be like, oh, you know, like, yeah. oh my gosh. Um, I totally so- know what you mean though. Like I am much more of a failure at putting on performance mode than you. But I do feel like I put it, I mean, you know, like you said, like I have this whole visual of me at parties basically being like a motherfucking Squidward like the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) And, And you're like, oh, Allison's the greatest at parties. She's good fun. You know, we have such a disconnect, but like, I feel a lot like in a lot of social situations, like I'm performing even at the same time that I feel like I'm failing in that performance. And that's like super tiring as well. Like, even though I feel in the moment, like everything I'm doing is failing. I also am aware that I am putting up a veneer of a human being who likes parties. Like I am aware that there Mm -hmm. is a somewhat successful charade going on. Is it charade or charade? I think both are acceptable. Yeah, um, I feel douchier when both. I say charade. I think charade sounds less douchey. Yeah, um, okay. Okay, but yeah, I feel like I am. I know there's a charade going on, you know? But this, um, but this comes – sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but no, I just no, wanted to – No, please do because I was just okay. going to pretty much just say the same thing over again because – Okay, so I'm going to cut you off? Thought. Yeah. Your big cut, <laughs> cut, cut, cut. Um, so, so, so I think – one thing that strikes me and that I just know a lot of people might nod their head to something like this is that one thing that people with anxiety will, will be attuned to is the fact that um, oftentimes we're looking at ourselves through a microscope, you, you know, while things are occurring and, yeah. and you're, and you're over examining things that are happening. And, and many of these things are um, 
pretty insignificant, you know, and they're they're not big deals. But it's really easy to spin everything into a narrative, right? And so that, so it's so that's why I was mentioning before about the deafening narrative that you can sometimes create. Yeah. And mine's mine's different at a party. Mine might be like, oh, Chris, you've only met three quarters of people. You don't know those people over there. Like they don't seem to like you. Or, or like if I met somebody and they didn't instantly connect with me and like I didn't, I did, didn't like me or something like that, like yeah. that would send me into a little bit of a tailspin, which is just interesting, you know, because it's like objectively, it's like, Chris, like you've met 75% of the room um, and uh, you're having a great time, you know, but in my head, it's like, well, what about the other 25, you know? And so we all have our own constructs. Yeah, exactly. But I, but I mean, we all have our own microscope and we all have our own magnifying glass that we're using that. um, And I, and I think it's also a mistake to assume that nobody else has a magnifying glass, right? We, we assume that we are an outlier who's acting and everybody else um, is just part of this game of life where things are, you know, pretty sweet and easy and going fine. But, but the truth is that everybody has their own, problems and idiosyncrasies and narratives. And and there's no question that somebody else in that room also has a, a deafening narrative that's going on in their head. And, mm-hmm. and that's why it's like, it feels like to tie it back to the beginning, like the best thing we can do is just to be open and talking about these things. And, and you'll also know to go back to the golden retriever sort of thing that I think generally speaking that I, I get to know people pretty quickly. And, yeah. and that's because the Chris that you'll know in five minutes is the Chris that you'll know in five years. Um, yeah. I don't really guard much, you know? I'm actually the same though. Like, I think I, that's true. Like insofar as I am afraid of meeting new people, I tend to just sort of like dive head in because like my coping mechanism is just like – it's like I make myself immediately vulnerable so that they won't make me feel vulnerable. It's like a vulnerability of my own choosing. You use humor and self-deprecation. You're very totally. adept at that. Yeah, yeah. Like so I will usually just make like a ton of jokes, be super sarcastic, super open. Like nothing is really like too far for me to go on like a first interaction, which is, you know, a little bit strange. Actually, most people probably would prefer <laughs> a wall at some point. Um, but for the people who that doesn't turn off, I do tend to connect super quickly with people because I pretty much go from like zero to 100 because it's like, oh, well, if I have to do this, I'm just going to run through literally all of it. And then you can either run away from me or we can be friends, you know, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. It's never been like a thing where like I'm a guarded person. I put up an armor to like not have to try to talk to people to not like start that. But once like we're actually speaking, I'm very open, if that makes sense. I don't know if anyone else is the same. It's like once the the ball drops, I'm a golden retriever too, down deep down. Yeah. Or 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 just you like you find yourself in a circle where you're like, oh, I don't have to be a mastiff. I can be. I'm with or yeah. I'm with other mastiffs. You know. The and, word um, of the day is dogs, guys. That's yeah, our theme well, today. We always have an underlying narrative to our episodes, <laughs> and that's, that's like a very that's long, long metaphor. So this episode but, to you is brought to you by the Dog Council of America. Brought to you by Purina. Um, but but I, I also I also do want to say that I think as um, – and this just may, may be an oversimplification, but I feel like for people who do have a bit of anxiety, they're drawn towards abject authenticity where it's like if you get into a circle and someone's like, well, today was pretty shit, but this drink is cold. You know, like it's like a, it's like a sort of a thing where it's a sign like, oh, like – 
we're all going to let our guard down here. And like, if we're talking about how we often construct this idea that everyone else is on a different narrative, having a good time, and we're stuck in our own head and everyone else is enjoying themselves. It's kind of just like you found your people and, and you're breaking down that wall of like social construct, you know? Yeah. Um, if that, if that makes sense, I mean, it made sense in my head. Um, no, it made sense. Which- it made sense. And one thing I also want to talk about is sort of like just sort of the introvert extrovert divide and sort of like where we fall on that. And I used to always think I was an introvert. And now I realize that I, or like, you know how there's like introverted extroverts and extroverted introverts. Mm -hmm. I think I'm actually an introverted extrovert, meaning that like, I actually really do need other people's energy to motivate me and keep me sane. Like I can't just Mm -hmm. be like happy living in a vacuum, but the ways in which I seek out that extroversion are very introverted because I have so much social anxiety. And I'm just kind of curious how you would describe yourself. I'm going to guess extroverted extrovert. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just want, I think it's, it's interesting because there's one day where I just sort of like, I switched what most people say, which is that they're, like an intro, an extroverted introvert. And I don't relate to that at all, but I relate a lot more to when I invert it. And I think that's kind of true to how I experience the world. And, mm-hmm. but like my extroversion revolves all around like my peeps, like my circle, you know, like yeah. um, the dog crew, if you will. I don't <laughs> 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 or won't, or won't. My folks, my folks at the pound. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think my dogs, that's- my dogs would be the the much simpler way to do. It. <laughs> hey, why we don't do simple on this podcast? No, we um, don't. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So I think probably extroverted extrovert for me, but it's funny because this period of pause, we're recording this um, during the pandemic, um, and it's been a couple of months into it now, has made me do a lot of self examination and reflection, and realize that. For sure, I take a lot of my energy from being around others and I really enjoy that. But at the same time, um, as you know, I do actually need that aspect of, of uh, going for walks on my own. And it's uh, something I've developed kind of only more recently, but I really, really have started to enjoy spending time on my own and have started to think of myself as worth like just myself as worthwhile company. And, and that's part of, I think I did a great job of filling up my schedule so heavily in the past that I didn't necessarily have time to reflect or think because there was always something to do. And uh, I listened to a podcast recently that was a biography of Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. And apparently Lou Reed was notorious for like never wanting to spend time alone. So like literally the moment he got home, he would make calls and just, he would go wherever and do whatever, just, just to avoid being alone. And I'm, and I'm realizing as I get older, that as much as I love being out with people and that I I do need some time to, to process things to, if I want to be the person that I want to be and not always on, uh, on the precipice of, of being overly anxious. I think there was an element of like extroverted extroversion, uh, where you like you just always hungry to be in interactions with people, and and some of that can be because you don't want to be in interactions with yourself. And and uh, over the years, I, especially more recently, I've I've actually really started to relish time on my own, and to the point where sometimes I'm like, 
I'm like watching something and having a beer and just like kind of enjoying myself. And it almost feels like the room is full. Like it used to feel like the room was empty mm -hmm. um, and it's starting to feel like the room is, is full I like um, that. as I start to, yeah. Yeah. I just like, as I start to be a little bit kinder to, to myself and, and um, yeah, I think it's like a, it's like a, I, kind of, I think before I was walking around like a, like a plug, just looking to plug in everywhere. And now I realize I'm kind of more of a portable battery, <laughs> you know, like I, I have my own, I have my own power source and like, uh -huh. I can, you know, I can, I can plug in with other people. Powered. Yeah, exactly. I'm solar powered in some sense. And I, but anyways, it's an important, it was an important realization for me because as much as this has been really difficult for me to spend so much time on my own um, now, it's also been uh, really an eye opener that like everything, we need some balance. And, and sure, I'd rather be in the park, hanging out with people and, and having a ball. But I also am comfortable just reading a book and spending time that way as well. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to really love my alone time, really value it. But at the same time, I always have you know, five to six mini conversations going on at all times that I feel like I need as part of my day to keep me like tethered to my world. And I think maybe that's everyone now and just the digital age, everyone. But like, I can't think of, you know, more than two days that goes past without me communicating with like my core friend group. Like it's mm -hmm. a pretty much a constant thing. And that's sort of where I, but it doesn't necessarily need to be like physical face-to-face -face, uh, contact. Like I'm very happy just like, you know, texting with friends all day or, you know, jumping on a, on a call from time to time. But I need, I need other people's energy to sort of tether me because otherwise I can go too far down these rabbit holes, like mm -hmm. mentally. And my friends kind of are that anchor that are like, all right, um, I think you're being a little bit crazy. Um, I love you, but this is not helpful to you. Like you're, you've gone a little too far with this, with this fear you have. And I'm like, yeah, you're, yeah. you're very correct in that. And, um, they give me the tough love that I need because I can definitely spiral and, and I sort after... of seek out, sorry to, I'll just finish. No, not all, not all, not all. Um, I sort of seek out them stopping me from spiraling i'll be like hey so like you know pretty sure i have covid19 and they're like oh get shut the fuck up like no you don't like you know but like in a loving way like because like i'll do that all the time um, so yeah. it's helpful it's helpful to have people who will check you and be like from a place of love give you the tough love that you need to get out of that loop in your head that can be a very easy place to get stuck yeah, well, your friends who have known you forever and and know exactly who you are, that can that can be your objectivity. You know, like yeah. when you are so subjectively like exactly you know, spiraling, that's where you get your objectivity. And um, and they're also good at, at, at like providing reminders, like, hey, remember when uh, you said the exact same thing uh, <laughs> yeah. eight eight weeks ago and nothing happened? Like, yeah. you're gonna be fine, bud. You know, and and yeah. that's why it's great to have you know friends to help support and. But it, but it is important. I think it's just a kind, you know, a bit of a kind reminder that sometimes we need to reach out, uh, reach out to people when we're we're not doing our best, and because otherwise we we go pretty deep into a tailspin, and and sometimes like somebody just needs to 
you know, throw a parachute on you and pull it, you know, and you're like, okay, I'm all right. Um, And that's the thing. Like when I, when I reach out to friends about an anxiety, it's not usually like I want to explore it to the depth, to, to the death. Like that was a Freudian slip right there. Um, (laughs) I don't want to like explore it to death and like really just go super deep on it. Like I usually just want someone to sort of smack me upside the head politely and be like, okay, like that's super frustrating, but like, let's, let's move past this, this point that you're stuck on, you know, like in a gentler way, of course, you know, like they hear me out first and then they kind of will, will gently move me along, but that's super helpful for me. So like, if you're a friend of someone who has anxiety and you're listening to this podcast to be like, how can I be a more supportive friend? A lot of the time we don't want to explore an issue as if you were a therapist or like, you know, to go on ad nauseum about something or for you to help us like create like a solution. We kind of just want to vent and then have you give us like that dose of reality in a gentle and loving way. Speaking for myself, obviously, like other people may have a totally different experience with this. But for me, I kind of want like the listening ear and then the gentle push. Yeah, I feel I feel like it has a lot to do with validation of just like you're basically presenting a question like, hey, so like this is a little bit out there, right? Like I, I'm off yeah. base when I th- when I think this is happening, right? And someone's yeah. able to be like, yeah, totally off base. Like that's um, yeah, that's just not likely to happen, and um, and uh, that's not worth your time to think about. And then yeah. you're just like, it's almost like you're like, okay, check, and um, and, and that's t- to bring it back to like this episode at large. I mean. That's what I think the value of meeting new people is because all those people that we turn to when we need help were once new people. And we, you know, I never thought of it that way. Like, I know that's really stupid. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, these are my friends. But like, yeah, yeah of course, they were all like new, scary new people. people at one point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so literally that's never crossed my mind, Chris. <laughs> well, that boom, <laughs> pow, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and the, I think the good thing is as you get older, there's less pressure to find new people in your life because yeah. you have that basis of people who, you know, are your people, right? Your, mm-hmm. your dog pack as it were, but yeah. that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be new people who are going to, who aren't going to bring new light into your life. And, and, and they're just going to be new temporarily. Right. Cause sometimes we like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I meet someone and I'm like, Oh, you and me, we're on the same page. Like you mm-hmm. seem like a good person. Like I'd like to be a part of your life. And then before you know it, they're, they've entered your life. Right. So I think that's um, as daunting as it can be. It's also, um, it doesn't mean like there's a pressure to like, I, I need to be cognizant of the fact that I already have so many people in my life that are, you know, incredible that I don't, I don't need to add a whole bunch of people into my life to, to make it more rich, but I also am willing to give people a chance. And I, I remember that uh, last year for my birthday, like Brie pretended like I was going to this, uh, to, it was like a weekend before my birthday or two weekends before. And she pretended like I was going to a work party. And like, I messaged my brother before going and I was like, man, I just want to sit here and drink beer in my boxes and watch the Leafs game. But I got to go to Brie's birthday. Like I got to go to Brie's uh, work party or whatever. Like, and I got down to this bar and it was a surprise party for me, you know, with like 50 people. And like, I just broke down into tears, right? Because I'm like, man, I'm so blessed to have all these people in my life. So I would break down into tears for an entirely different reason. 
<laughs> well, there you go, right? Because of the surprise party, you're like, why would you do this? Like, I just wanted to have wine and chocolate, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, Brie knows my character in that yeah, way and knows that. It, and, but those are all my people, you know? But at the same time, as much as I'm really willing to meet a whole bunch of new people, I'm also very cognizant of who brings light into my life. And um, I think I have a pretty good internal gauge of who doesn't because if those people give me a little bit of an unsettling feeling and I'm not able to fully be myself around them and fully yeah. be like, kind of like you were, what, what you were talking about where you were like, you kind of drop a comment that's like self-deprecating or funny, you know, like some people either pick that up, like they have that radar on and you're like, okay, we're going to be friends. Or some people are like, oh, okay, sorry to hear that. Uh, I'm going to go over there, you know, like, and you're yeah. like, well, you're not my people. And my job as I've gotten older is to be to realize like, it's not my place to go over and try and convince that person to be my friend. It's my job to stay right where I am and talk to the people who I know are my people, you know? Yeah. And I think one flip side of anxiety is that you actually do have super good intuition for the most part, maybe not about uh, health goings on in your body that can maybe be a little overblown. Well, you're you're alert, right? Like you, yeah. you're alert, you're, you're scanning. Alert. Yeah, that's the thing about anxiety is it's like it's pretty much just like a leftover like fight or flight instinct from one like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would say we are fleeing. We were fleeing dinosaurs, but I don't think that lines up like evolutionarily. But when we are, they always say like the the saber tooth or whatever. Like they always use that. Like like when we are fleeing from fast shit, like you know, we needed that fight (laughs) or flight, and now our lives are like pretty dull and easy. And the flight fight or flight just like tries to practice sometimes on like totally inane things, basically. That's pretty much what like anxiety and anxiety attacks are. It's like your parasympathetic nerve system just being like, let me just let me just start the engine real quick. Just like let me check that everything's working, just in case a tiger comes back, you know? Just like yeah. I kind of remember <laughs> that in my DNA from like, you know, twenty thousand years ago. So just like just making sure it's still there. Um <laughs> oh yeah, it's still working. But um, let's can but, we just keep that running in the background uh, uh, yeah. indefinitely. Like, let's put it at twenty like percent all the time, though. You know, like, and like every now and then, just just to check, you know, the acceleration. Yeah, let's yeah. I was a two today, right? So I got my twenty yeah. percent quota. Yeah, you, uh, yeah. You got I the engines. Even, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the engines groaning today. Um, but all of that was to say a point that has now eluded me. And I feel like if I use enough flowery Victorian language, I may Mm -hmm. resume my initial recollection and I am not. So (laughs) what were we talking about before I went on the saber tooth tiger thing? Fight or flight. uh, We were talking, uh, what were we talking about? Um, We were talking about, Oh, okay. No. So I was talking about intuition. Yeah. 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 Okay. So anyway, I went on that big saber tooth tiger rant, maybe followed. I didn't follow my own thoughts. So if you didn't follow that's cool too. (laughs) Um, But the whole point being is that I do think as people with anxiety, we are genetically wired to be like a little more alert and thus like a little more intuitive. Like I find that it's far easier for me to read like body language and facial cues, which is both a positive and a negative because I could be like, Oh, what was that? What was that? What was that shoulder movement? You know? Oh, that, that means I'm, I'm excommunicated now. But um, I think it does give us this gift of sort of intuition that like my sense of intuition is really strong. And especially when with like socially, like with people 
And I can pretty, and that can actually make me seem kind of cold sometimes because like if intuitively I can sort of sense that like you're not my people, like, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that like, oh, we just like have fundamentally different outlooks on life and just like aren't really going to find long-term common grounds like that, you know, we can communicate and respect each other, but like there's no friendship here. Like I just like don't really engage that much beyond that. But that's more just coming from a place of like my intuition is saying that like this is something that is not like worth putting in like all this emotional energy into like save that emotional energy for like the people who like really nurture you and who you really nurture. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. And um, I thought of an analogy, which I think is pretty adept while you were talking which is that, you know, in terms of scanning and so forth. And that's like sometimes like the uh, the GPS or the navigation sort of gets so loud and, and prominent that you forget about the driving and you need to go back to driving, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so like I that can be a thing where like the narrative gets so loud, the directions get so loud that you forget. You're like, well, that's where the six, that's where like the six feet of glass comes in because <laughs> you're like, oh, I got to get back to driving. Oh shit. I'm at the wheel right now, <laughs> you know, and you got to yeah. go back to the driver's seat. Um, I held on to that metaphor for dear life. So I missed like the last 18 seconds of your beautiful diatribe. Yeah, but yeah, I that's do... okay. I, I experience that all the time. <laughs> okay, cool. But I, I do think that's, I, I do think that's really true. And I think that's a great place to sort of underline and, and um, throw a bit of an exclamation mark on. It's just that. Uh, I love that you like verbally annotate our podcast. It's very helpful. Yes, it's for, you know, for everyone listening who who doesn't have that pen ready, who's driving, you know, um, but I think first. it is exactly. Yeah, I, I think um, I think that is there is that part where it's like you are really hypersensitive and hyper intuitive and hyper empathetic. And that's not always easy, but um, it's also not necessarily a curse, you know, and, and yeah. um, I I don't know if I've said this on the on the podcast before, but it's something I've said when I've talked to other people and, and that's just like, sometimes I kind of feel like, you know, I wouldn't really wish my brain on anybody, but like, I probably also <laughs> wouldn't trade it, you know? And, yeah. And I think, yeah. I, I think, agree. I think I, I think I have said that before, maybe like one time before, but for all the strangeness and the idiosyncrasies and the, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes a bit of a wild ride, but like, I don't know, it's still my ride. And I feel like my mm-hmm. sometimes like, I, I do pick up on little things or I do yeah. notice it, things and, and that can be like, you, you're more susceptible to, um, to change and, and emotional ups and downs. But, um, but it also, there's also that other side to it, right. Where it's yeah, like, you totally. really can, you really, you can have that sensitivity. So. Yeah. yeah and I think that having anxiety, like, and being someone who's like really observant, it leads you to be like both like, extra funny and extra creative like I think because you are hyper aware of every situation that's happening so Mm -hmm. I find that like I'm always making like interesting insight like you know that probably someone who isn't in their head so much might not notice I find that I'm able to sort of pick up these like very funny moments or like in in writing, like I'm able to like create these like really interesting images because my brain functions in such a bizarre way. And you've, you've replayed. You've sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna add in there, but I want to wait till the end of this because this is good. 
Yeah, no, just that um, your what is my brain's weakness is also in a way my brain's strength. And it's just how I am. And so, yeah, like I wouldn't really want to to think of myself as like, you know, having like, um, you know, it's like, you know, people with autism don't necessarily like to to think of themselves as having a disability a lot of the time. A lot of the time they're like, this, this is just like how my brain works. Like I'm like not neurotypical. And I feel like that's kind of sort of how I feel about anxiety. Like I don't really, I don't, I do have an anxiety disorder, but that's not really how I identify. Like my, I just feel like I just have a different brain and, um, I don't think that that's necessarily a disorder that you live with in like, in every aspect of your life because disorder like implies that you can't do any of the things that involve Mm -hmm. a normal life. I think there were at times when my anxiety was so severe that it was disordered that kept me from participating in life. But now my anxiety is managed in a way where even when I have an eight day, I'm still okay. You know what I mean? And I think that that's important to to think about. I don't know. I kind of went on some tangents. Maybe no, no, not maybe at all. made no, an I uncomfortable was... comparison or two. So no, no, apologies if I, I think... offended anyone with autism who's like, "Why the hell are you comparing yourself to me?" But um, I just think that uh, I I don't like thinking of anxiety as a disorder. A lot of the time, I feel like it's yeah. more just like a. It can be a disorder. It can be crippling. It can be a disability for people who have it extremely severely. But I think it can also kind of cycle in and out of mm-hmm. disorder and disability and and also be just or, or sometimes just be more benign and just be like, this is just how my brain is wired. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I think, I think that touches on a lot of good things. And, and um, that's why I have such a big problem with the ADHD, right? Like attention yeah. deficit hyperact- hyperactivity disorder, because it immediately paints it as a deficit when I don't believe that it is because right. um, typically it's just about, it's, it's just situational, right? Like there are some situations, like there were some situations where if, if, you know, for example, if I had a project that was like really allowed me to get creative from the onset, it was great. And if you gave me something that was inherently deeply structured I, I didn't enjoy it right and so it's just yeah. way um and so it's, it's often very situational but I mm-hmm. I also like you know sometimes I like people talk about mental illness and I think it's like it's great that we're moving towards terms like mental health and I think I like I really am enjoying you know like neurotypical or neuroatypical right I mean these are just it's just a way to that we're just talking about differences without creating a hierarchy yeah and, totally uh, and we're all so different, right? Like everybody has their own unique brain. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's also pretty rare that somebody has like, like, okay, it's like, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 100% perfect. Everything's great. And I have anxiety. Like usually there's, you know, like for me, it's ADHD for you. You might be yeah. a bit of impre- a depression. Like it's, it's yeah. we've created narrow boxes to try and fit ourselves in, but really it's just, it's just sometimes easier to talk about the fact that, you know, we just have different brains and that's really all it comes down to. And, and you can let it be defeating, but a lot of the time it's mostly just about being aware when you're feeling defeated. Yeah. And I just think for me, I kind of think of my mental health struggles as sort of like almost like a selection of like sliders. So, you know, like everything is on a spectrum, you know, and my anxiety is like 
definitely pulled a little more towards the uh, 11, shall we say, to reference Spinal Tap. Um, my depression can really vary. Like sometimes my depression's totally gone. Sometimes it has a resurgence, but it's always more on the mild spectrum. And then I actually relate to a lot of um, of the criteria for ADHD, but like the, there are two types now. They used to use ADD mm-hmm. and ADHD and there's the hyperactive and then the yeah. the other one which is like i don't want to say listless that's not it but like um like- no it's uh it's it, 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 i think they just like one is about hyperactivity and one's about like attentiveness right yeah exactly inattentiveness i totally think i have the inattentiveness to a degree like on a spectrum i i veer towards having some attention deficit issues on the inattentiveness spectrum, but never so much that it was actually a disorder. And I also just want to put a little asterisk, asterisk. Oh my God. I can't say asterisk. Yeah, asterisk. You had oh it. Yeah. Too many S's. It's very <laughs> difficult. Um, I want to put a little asterisk there nice. that um, women are often underrepresented in criteria like ADHD because they're socialized to be like a lot quieter and the same is true for autism as well like while there is also like a genetic component to um just like chromosomally to autism being more prevalent in males a lot of the literature on the topic suggests that uh women are widely underdiagnosed with um with autism because of the way that we're socialized from such an early age to veer towards like quietness, people don't necessarily see it as a disorder. They just see it as sort of like a personality aspect. And so Mm. I never got diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, but I almost wonder if I had had some intervention earlier on in my life and just like had known that that was something that was like something that I at least had some sort of relation to, or I existed somewhere on the spectrum I often wonder, like, if I would have been able to, I don't know, just, like, make some changes and think about my brain differently and um, maybe a heart, like, you know, because I I find that a lot of my issues around, like, avoidance and procrastination come not only from anxiety, but from, like, an inability to pay attention to things that I find uh, unpleasant and, Mm -hmm. like, but I can get super absorbed and work so hard on anything that I find rewarding. And so I don't know. I just kind of wanted to say like we all, I was just envisioning like almost like a computer program with these dials. And I think, you know, I can twitch the dial a little way for a lot of different things. And I think that that's more helpful than just putting one label on yourself, but just sort of seeing spec like spectrally on the spectrum. Like where, where do you find yourself on these different sort of categories? And is it helpful to label yourself as having one or the other, or do you identify with like a little bit of a lot of them like me? Yeah. 100%. I think that's a, I think that's very well said and a great point. And, um, and, and again, like to go back to my earlier point about things, you know, bleeding into each other, so to speak. I mean, if, if you felt like you had, um, ADHD where 
with with the version of inattentiveness, I mean, one of the common traits of that is is really the um, the way in which you're while, while the people are talking or things are going on, you're creating entire narratives in your head, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. like how how well does that tie into what we were talking about with me- meeting new people, right? You're able exactly. to you create that wall with distance with anxiety, and then create a very clear narrative that becomes almost r- more real than the social situation because of that form of ADHD, right? And so everything's yeah. connected, and that, I think that's just so important to recognize that like the labels are quite frankly inadequate and it's much much better to think about things on a on a spectrum and and also things um different facets of your brain both neurotypical and neuroatypical just engaging with each other and uh, and sometimes the engagement uh you know works out pretty well and sometimes it's not so not so well and but but then you have to take a moment to pause and 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 again about awareness like just try to take enough time to look at your dials <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah you know? exactly so i think and that's, try not um, to try not to like obsessively br- break the change. machine yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't smash it no yeah <laughs> i think that was uh, i i mean i can only speak for myself but like i really enjoyed that conversation and i hope other people did as well and um, we always finish our episodes by talking about one thing we're patting ourselves on the back for. And um, I would politely suggest that the thing you can pat yourself on the back for is the fact that you came in today, not even yeah. really sure if you were going to be able to do it. And then, I don't know. I mean, you shared some really amazing insights today. Like I was only so happy to be on the other side of the microphone and to get a sneak peek of what other people are just hearing now for the first time. So yeah, um, I think you should be pretty damn proud of yourself for that. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad I came on and recorded because I very seriously considered canceling. I like sent Chris a message just sort of like explaining where my head was at and just being like, yeah, like let's record. But like if we need to just like abandon ship in the middle, we will. And then we joked that like I would just start shouting 14, 14, like hearkening back to our, um, you know, scale scale of one, our, uh, yeah, our grading scale. And 14 would be my safe word for I'm no longer able to continue the episode. (laughs) Um, so I did not need to shout 14 at any point during the episode. So I am happy with myself for coming on. I actually did four minutes of a six minute meditation, which is like, that's, that's a pretty good average for me before we did, <laughs> um, before we did this podcast, just kind of bring me down from like the 8.5 to the, to the eight, just to get myself able to record it. Honestly, as we're finishing this recording, I mean, well, I'll be honest, I took, I took some medication before we recorded. So I think I'm just feeling the effects of the medication kicking in, but I'm, I'm feeling like a five now. Like I'm feeling kind of groovy. Sweet. So, you know, this three helps. points, three, three points down. That's pretty, mm-hmm. uh, that's pretty big, but you know what? Imagine, imagine if this podcast was bringing everyone else three points down. I mean, that'd be pretty I sweet. I hope so. I hope, I hope this podcast is as effective as my, my darling Benzos, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um well that's great and um and i yeah I guess, as i said i think that's probably the whole point of the podcast at the end of it it's to to try and help everyone out and 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 also as we said at the beginning of the episode just like have those conversations to let it, everybody know that these are conversations that we have and they're not uh, for people who haven't talked to other people with anxiety or you know ever seeked out any professional help or whatever, just to let people know like, Hey, you know what? Like a lot of people go through this. So mm-hmm. I think that, I think this episode will be helpful in that, in that way for sure. And that's probably also what I'll pat myself on the back for is that, um, 
I just uh, I'm excited to see the way that uh, this podcast continues to grow. And we've got some reviews this week and we got some ratings and we had our kind of best week ever for 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 listens and all that kind of stuff. So I don't really care about the volume of people, like the amount of people we're reaching. Um, I just I think it's I'm excited. Okay, yeah, she'll, yeah, she'll, <laughs> I'm a numbers girl. Yeah, Allison sends me very um, frightening messages threatening me about numbers, so I'm always promoting. Um, <laughs> no, I guess that's the other thing too, right? Like we're not really promoting and yeah. uh, and pe- people are picking things up. And if we're reaching anybody, that's awesome. So I will pat myself on the back for that. And uh, I mean, actually, that would I just winged it. That's what, not even what I was going to pat myself on the back for. What I actually was going to pat myself on the back for was um, uh, realizing that I needed to hit the abort button and getting out into nature because – it was only when I got out into nature that I realized how badly I needed to be there. Um, and before that, I just was stuck in that cyclical loop a little bit, but just kind of tricked myself into believing that, that was my normal state. And when I got out into nature and took some deep breaths, I feel like I got some much needed clarity and I felt pretty refreshed. So I'm pretty stoked about that. And um, and uh, quite frankly, like it, again, it's like it's only really recently that I've actually been able to listen to that voice. That's like, hey, take a second here. Like, yeah. go like I don't like you need to take a second. Like before, that voice is something I used to brush off. So I'm pretty happy about that. Um, nice. Yeah. So I think we we are finito on this episode. Um, I probably beautiful. won't use that phrase ever again. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's not Italian or Spanish. I don't, I don't know. My brain doesn't even recognize it as a language. It just, it just sounded know. like... It sounded... Yeah, I think it sounded pretty good. It sounded um, like a brain deflating. Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> it, so now that your brain's deflated, I hope you aren't driving. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just say... Um, that I, I don't we haven't gotten the facebook group up and running yet no, but we, we have surely... no oh, we have not... we're anxious about live yeah i we are anxious about is live if you'd like to join and just talk about podcasts or talk about how you relate to what we've said or make any suggestions for what we've what we could talk about in the future or things you wish we'd address. We're very receptive to all of that. And we also want it to be a place where you guys can talk to each other um, because we have some like six or 700 listeners now, which is really exciting. So there's a lot of y'all listening to us, to which I say thank you very much. It's really, really rewarding and exciting to, because um, I am a numbers person, to see that people are actually listening, that this is not just like going out into the mythical void. Um, there are human ears um, <laughs> hearing us and maybe some dog ears. You know, you never know. I might be a dog with you there. Um, if your dog is listening to give him a little pet for me and tell him he's a good boy and that he does a good stretch the next time he does like a cute little dog stretch. Um, <laughs> and anyway. we must end it now. Okay. But um, we're, we're getting up on all the social channels. Um we can confirm that there are social channels. <laughs> we cannot confirm that there is activity on them, but no. there. Oh, Twitter, Twitter's up and running. We, oh, we yeah. have the I'm Anxious About page on Facebook, um, but we're, we're getting there. Thanks for continuing to support us. And I guess people have heard where they can find us before yeah. traveling Mitch on my account and and some other spots and Eternal Arrival for you and some other spots. Um, but uh 
mainly we're, we're for the most part, we're not travel writers here. We're um, putting on our other hat and, yeah. uh, and we all wear many hats. So, oh, um, and our email form works. So Ooh, our contact form. works. Yeah. Now. So if you'd like to send us something other than penis enlargement advertisements, we will be really <laughs> excited. <laughs> um, yeah. Also don't try to sell us benzos. We have our own. We brought our own to the party. So uh, a couple of those have come through. We don't want to buy from your online pharmacy. Stop, Stop it. <laughs> don't think that's legal. Um, but if you'd like to shoot us a message, there is now uh, an inbox that it goes to instead of just an avoid. So, yeah. um, and if please. you want it, like, if you think you'd be in, like uniquely adept at being a guest or whatever, just like reach out. We, um, we're not big enough to have, um, secretaries or, or, no. uh, any, or virtual assistants or whatever. No. It's just us. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just us in our inboxes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so reach out if you'd like to chat with us. We are, um, very approachable at non-party situations. Um, the internet is I'm the one part. Yeah, the internet is one party that I'm not afraid of. So <laughs> message away. And I think that is a good place to cut. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Don't forget to, uh, if you're liking the show, to leave a review. Um, uh, only if it's a five-star review and some kind <laughs> comments. Um, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And this is our longest episode ever. If you made it to the end, we love you. Only if you reverse five stars. <laughs> <laughs>